Welcome in everyone to another episode of our Creighton Volleyball Wrap-Up Podcast. I'm Matt DeMarinas from whiteandbluereview.com, joined by um, Megan Ballinger again. Uh, I guess we could probably call you part of whiteandbluereview.com now, right? We're, we're going to be like <laughs> what, 20 episodes into this venture yeah. here, right? Yeah. Quite a few. You're like a consistent contributing member at this point. I'll talk to the, <laughs> to the powerful people about that one. but um, Yeah, so Megan and I are going to... Break down Creighton's another successful weekend in the Big East. The Jays swept Villanova and Georgetown. Made a quick work out of both. So, yeah, I don't know, Meg. I'm a free weekend for the Jays, right? I think that's kind of what, when you go into the weekends like this where you're playing two inferior opponents, you kind of just want to go in with a game plan, probably execute some things on your side of the net, try to get some better at certain things that you – just highlight on film that you feel like are not quite where you want them to be at this point in the season. And then just, you know, get your work done, stay healthy and go home. Right. Is that kind of the same plan? <laughs> simple as it, as simple as it can be put for weekends like this. Yeah, I think so. You know, I think they probably knew Villanova maybe would be a little bit of a tougher matchup than Georgetown. Um, just historically too. I think Villanova is a little bit harder of a place to play. Um, I would say so. Yeah, I think you just try to play clean volleyball, um, you know, get better when you can. Um, both of these teams didn't, you know, really, I guess, test Creighton all that much. You know, I don't think they were really under too much pressure, except for maybe Villanova with a few runs they were able to get um, in the first and second sets. Um, but overall, I think just a, a good weekend for them. And um, yeah, just a good travel weekend. Did some sightseeing I saw and that sort of thing. So kind of just a good Good all-around weekend, you know, didn't drop any sets, kept the time short, and got some people involved when they could when they were up big. So, yeah. Yeah. You said the D.C. trip is your favorite one, right? So were you were you starting to, you know, dive back into the nostalgic moments there as they were posting <laughs> pictures and everything? Yeah. For whatever reason, I think it, it was a lot of people's, and it looks like it's still, you know, some people's favorite city to visit. But I don't know. It's just fun to see, I guess, the sightseeing you're going to do and, yeah. Typically, it's nice weather too. Nice to be outside and you know, kind of get to see the nation's capital a little bit of a different um, look than some of the other big east cities that you get to travel to. So they were having a good time for sure. Um, let's dive into this Villanova match a little bit. I think um, you know a couple things stand out to me. One, I oh, excuse me, um, you know, seeing three players and you know with. 10 or more digs. I think I think Creighton was really good defensively this weekend. You know what's something interesting that, that Kirsten has brought up now a couple times, and it's making me kind of look think back to last year. Uh she's mentioned that they're that he's kind of like giving the players a little bit more freedom defensively. And I think we talked about that a little bit in terms of something that might have unlocked just some of their instinctual habits in terms of reading the game last year that allowed them to be so good defensively. So, uh, yeah, I kind of want to tap back into that because, you know, you just look at the way Creighton played defensively this weekend, holding, I mean, holding Nova to, I mean, they hit 159 in set one, negative 032 in set two, 114 and three. And then today against Georgetown, the Hoyas were negative 042, 129 and 133 in the three sets. And then when you look at the fact that, uh, you know, Creighton only had 11 ace blocks all weekend and yet still were able to hold 
both of their opponents to those low numbers. It just, you know, I, I think when I'm putting two and two together, it seems like Creighton had a pretty good weekend in terms of just trying to read where hitters were going and, you know, like they had a good weekend digging wise and, and, and maybe that's something that their defense can go to a different level doing in terms of, you know, if, if they do get more freedom going forward the rest of the season to kind of replicate some of the things that they did last year to be, you know, I think they were first in the country going into the NCAA tournament in terms of opponent hitting percentage and things like that. Yeah, I think, I mean, they have some really great defensive players that read well. And I think when you have those people back there, um, just trusting them, um, you know, to make those plays when they can is really helpful. I think it's the same way with blocking. I think blocking is kind of like some people have a really good feel for it. And I think defense too is that like some people are like reading the hitter really well and um, can kind of move to those spots. And as much as you have to kind of play your position in the back row, I think there's a lot of times when the block isn't closed, you know, or something kind of went haywire at the net where you're like, okay, this isn't going to be a straight up like defensive dig and I'm just in my spot. Um, and then when teams are making you cross in the back row, um, you know, with your middle back, your right back, your left back, if they're making people cross, hitting those like high seams, I think those are times where you can't just stay in your spot and expect that ball to be hit right at you. You have to make a move. And sometimes you kind of have to take a gamble and be, say, okay, we have no block or it's kind of like an oh shit situation. <laughs> like we have no one getting hands on it. Like we have to just read this and try to get a body on the floor after it. Yeah, because that's, I mean, what set one, Allison Witten had a, you know, a completely full extension layout dig that landed for a point, right? Uh, Kendra Waite had one that just went out of bounds, but she's diving all the way back row to get that thing up with one hand. It did, I mean, it goes to your point. Like, it, it, Creighton did seem to be, um, reckless is not the word, but they were just like, you know, caution to the wind more defensively, where they were able to just cover more of the floor, lay out, read. Um, I think you saw that the type of the type of digs they were getting, right? Yeah, I think I mean a lot of digging is mindset. Like I'm just gonna get this ball up, like no matter what it takes, and that sort of thing. Um, because there are moments where it's not, you know, coming straight at you. And if teams are really good offensively, they're gonna have a lot of options. They're gonna get one on one blocks. You know, there's gonna be things that disrupt you and what a normal pattern would be. So I think just having those people that are confident enough and athletic enough, I mean, there's a lot of really athletic players, you know, Kendra Witt is one of those people that she's super fun, you know, to watch play defense because she'll just sprawl out, you know, just do some crazy things and just try to get a body on that ball. And I think a lot of that is her mindset. She's just like, I'm not stopping until this point is over and that sort of thing. And those are the people that are really great at defense. Yeah. And I thought Nora had a really good match out of the middle back spot too, 15 digs in three sets, especially when, I mean, she had 34 swings. So that's a lot of first and third contacts for her. And she terminated a pretty good, I mean, 206, I, I think she'd want to hit a little bit better than that, especially against a team like Villanova. But when you're, I mean, 34 swings and then you have 15 digs. She also had, you know, seven, uh, looks like she had seven receptions and serve receive. So, I mean, that's a lot of first and third contact for her. So to have an efficient night offensively, lead the team in kills, um, even though her, her error number probably isn't where she wants it to be, um, to contribute in other areas, especially out of that middle back spot with the first and third contacts, pretty, that's a pretty good night of work for your number one, right? Yeah, I thought she played a really good all around match. Um, obviously, she impacts the game in so many ways, but I think, I mean, you kind of saw her do it in, um, against 
Villanova in that game. And like you said, probably wants to be a little bit more efficient um, just based upon kind of the opponent and what, you know, she knows she's capable of. Um, but yeah, I thought she did a really good job, um, you know, kind of had a few blocks was in there. And then defensively, like you said, I thought she read the game really well when she was back there. And you look at like Nora and Keeley, who, you know, I think are the clear one and two on this team in terms of offensive options, right? Just the most consistent hitter, probably the top two on the opponent's scouting report, right? But then you just, you know, scroll on down, uh, you know, in terms of the people who contributed offensively for Creighton tonight or on Friday night against Villanova, excuse me. Um, you know, Kiara Reinhardt, six kills on 11 swings. Um, Ava Martin, six clean, six kills on 14 error free swings. Jazz Schmidt was five, two, and eight. Kiana Schmidt was 10, two, and 17. Although I still have a beef with that number because two of those kills belong to Kendra, but that's just, you know, statisticians being statisticians. So, um, either way, that, that, that quartet of hitters, right? They're over 400. So when you're thinking about, um, Nora and Keeley carrying a lot of load to have four hitters besides them hitting over 400, getting over 10 sets a piece. Um, it's good balance, but then also good efficiency. And man, if you're Villanova, there's just, I mean, honestly, if you're anybody, if, if you're Marquette and Creighton has that many offensive options playing at that high of a level, terminating that efficient, terminating that efficiently, that's really tough to stop especially with Creighton's offense, because Kendra does a really good job distributing, right? Yeah, exactly. I think, I mean, that's something that, you know, Villanova and Georgetown, like, don't have, right? Like, they're people that need to ride one or two people and hope that they just, like, go off and, you know, have a career night if they want a chance at beating Creighton. And I think, I mean, that's what makes it easier for Creighton is, you know, you don't have to have one stud player that's, oh, I need 30 kills in this match, you know, or our team loses. And I think those are when teams become really special. And those are the teams you want to be on because it's just, it's it's more fun to celebrate, you know, kind of everybody getting involved and having that parity. And <clears throat> I mean, we've talked about how it opens up and just, you know, hitting, hitting for everyone. Um, so it's just, it's fun to be part of that. And then yeah, they get people in there too. Like Abby Milner came in right at the end and did a nice job, you know, one for one and those sorts of things. So I think having those people that you trust come in, I think Kendra did a really good job of, you know, trusting her hitters and um, going back to people um, and just kind of getting everybody involved and just making it easier on themselves when they could. Okay. So one thing I want to ask you real quick, because I kind of have a bone to pick with this situation. So it's 24-17 in set three and Villanova still has a timeout in their back pocket. Oh my gosh, I was so annoyed. Okay, so it's twenty four seventeen. Bethany Clapp, who you know doesn't get a lot of playing time, comes in and gets what looked like match point. Right, she gets a kill. Nova pulls the green card and like challenges that. They still have a timeout in their back pocket, so it's not like they were. I don't know. I just felt like they weren't really contesting the match at that point. If you if you still have a timeout in your back pocket and you're you have eight set, you're facing eight match points. Um. You know where you're down 2-0, Why are you pulling the green card? Like, am I wrong about that? Like, I know they're still technically in that set, and they could probably go. They're a couple runs away from making Creighton sweat. But all I'm thinking about in my mind is this thing is already a wrap. All you're doing is making you know both teams go out there. Like, what if someone rolls an ankle on match point? You know what I mean? Just because you challenged that and delayed the inevitable, essentially. That's all that was going through my mind. Thank God it didn't happen, but. It's like, am I out of bounds on that one? Like, should they pull the green card and keep that thing going and just 
you know, be competitively honest, I guess, if you will, because, you know, they're just trying to keep yeah. going. They, they, they didn't earn the point. They did. The, it got overturned. So they weren't wrong. But I'm like, why are you pulling it there? You know? Yeah. I mean, I was annoyed. I guess I could see it from the other side. I mean, you want to obviously see them make the call right, I guess. Um, so I could see it from that standpoint from Villanova. But I mean, I was annoyed. I was like, all right, this game is a wrap. Like, you're also, you were annoyed watching it too, then? So, yeah. Yeah. I just was like, this is, this is over. Why are we doing this? And you haven't been able to go on runs. You're not going to go on a run to close this game out and win it. Like, that, that doesn't make sense to me. But I also was like, if any coach were to do it, he would do that. So, I, I agree. It was, if it was for any coach, I wasn't surprised it was Nova, but still, I'm so <laughs> Because that's, that's the other thing I was thinking about. I was like, all right, if you got, like, no timeouts left, then I can see you're still trying to fight through this and you're sending that message to your team that you want to compete hard as hard as you can, you know, when you're facing eight match points as if it's 0-0. Zero, zero, I get that, you know, you want to instill that. But you had a timeout in your back pocket. You had already conceded. In my opinion, that's what that means to me. You know, if you have timeouts still in your pocket and you're taking those home with you, that means you've already accepted the fate, in my opinion. So why are you, why are you pulling the card? You know, what are you challenging? Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, it's like, why didn't you try to stop this before? And now you're just like, oh, let's just pull out a challenge. Like, there was really, yeah, no point behind it. Gosh, I don't know. I was uh, I was like, this is dumb <laughs> when I was watching it. Yeah, for sure. But like you said, it got Abby Milner in the kill category. So good for her. She got match point instead of Bethany. Um, and all Villanova did was just delay the celebration by one point. So. Yeah, I don't know. Overall, just a clean performance by Creighton, I thought. Um, you know, set one was a little shaky. They went on, I think, you know, they went on three scoring runs. Nova went on three scoring runs. That's not a ratio Creighton wants. But they cleaned that up afterwards from set two on. I think, I don't even know. I'm trying to think. I don't think Villanova went on. To look back on my notes real quick, sorry. I'm going to shuffle some papers around. I think it was. I think I don't know. I don't know if Nova went on even one more. Maybe they only went one on went on one more scoring run the rest of the match. So I think that's accurate. Yeah, that's what I have. Seven scoring runs for Creighton, one for Nova the rest of the match. So yeah, I don't think that first set went how Creighton probably drew it up. But after that, they 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 executed a lot better, played a lot cleaner. Set two, they sided out at eighty three percent. That's incredible. I mean, that's 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 winning volleyball 68% in set three. That's another really good clip. So, yeah, I think after you know, they probably allowed Villanova a few runs in set one that we they wouldn't normally want to give up ideally. Uh, so they'll probably look back at those on film and you know, um, just probably highlight those as things that they don't they want to clean up a little bit. But other than that, I thought it was a pretty clean night, you know, especially from that point on. Yeah, I think that was kind of my thought. Just watching the first set, too, I was like, oh, you know, they shouldn't be allowing Villanova to go on, you know, a run. They got, I think, within 20 to 19, I think Creighton was up. So I thought, you know, I was like, okay, like, let's stop it now. So I think that was having flash Started having flashbacks? Yeah, exactly. I was like, all right, a little bit more urgency here to close up this first set. And then, like you said, I thought they did turn it around and kind of brought attention to that and didn't obviously let Villanova get that momentum the rest of the game how do you feel about something i don't know it's always in my head because you put it there but just you know i think kiara and kiana 
and Kendra are starting to connect a lot more consistently and effectively, not just like, you know, getting the attempts, but they're getting kills out of it a lot in the middle of the net, with that quick set that, you know, that one ball you talk about. Um, I don't know. What do you, what's your assessment of that, especially this weekend? Cause it seemed like they, they went to that well pretty consistently and got kills out of it most of the time. Yeah, I kind of had that thought as well that it, it looked a little bit more smooth. I know there was they ran a six with Kiara and she just smashed it. I think one I remember that one in particular, and I was like, oh, you know, like because I just feel like previously they haven't connected to that point where you're like, whoa, like she got some power behind that. Um, so I think there were a few more times when they ran that quick ball this weekend where I was like, oh, you know, like that was a great swing, like nobody's getting that up, that sort of thing, and then. There, there was one time I remember that Kiana stayed in front on a one. You know, they typically are always slide, slide, slide when she's up there. And they kept her in front and she got a good swing and a kill on it. And I was like, that's a little bit different, you know, just from what we've seen. And I like the look of that because if I'm defending, you know, Kiana, I'm like, all right, she's going behind this whole time. So if she, you know, goes on the six right behind the setter, then, you know, maybe I'm out farther, that sort of thing. So you can kind of play with the blockers a little bit more. So I like the look of it a lot, and from a connection standpoint, I thought it looked a lot cleaner than it has um, this season. It's a good little – I guess it's just a good little pattern to have confidence in because it, it – I don't know. It serves to do the same thing in my mind that uh, a setter dump from Kendra can do, but it just gets a hitter involved and gets some mojo going and then just puts something in – like you probably think, okay – the setter's a problem if you're a if you're a blocker, but if she's also able to get you know those quick sets established to their middles, the Kiara and Kiana, and get them established too, then you just I don't know you're putting things in blockers' minds, you know throughout a match where it just it it seems like it would open up a lot of one on one blocks or more one on one blocks for your pins, the more op the more options you have elsewhere around the net, right? Yeah, and I think previously to this game there were a lot of times they tried to run that quick ball in front and then they're you know the middles are trying to reach for it or just kind of push it over and you don't have that power and that's something that's easy to defend although it's coming off a little bit weird you're like we'll live with that right and you don't have to maybe worry about that quick ball as much I mean a lot of times if you're running it fast enough a middle is going to have to commit block with you which I don't know if they run it quite that fast where it'd be that sort of situation um but you could maybe get to that point where it's like almost a zero tempo set and that blocker is either going to have to jump with the middle because they're connecting so well on that ball or, you know, they're going to be burned going somewhere else and then you're going to have no block, that sort of thing. So I think that's a point you want to get to, you know, if that ball is a perfect pass and they're like, okay, like this is a real threat. Like I'm going to have to go up with this middle. They trust setting this one to her. It's really fast, that sort of thing. Like that middle is just going to have to bite on that. And then I'll create openings too, like on the pins, you know, if that middle is kind of stuck flat footed in the middle, just trying to, you know, take care of that really fast tempo ball. This is one of those things too, where you can terminate it. Uh, even if it's not, even if you don't get it clean. Because, you know, at that the most open spot on the floor is usually the middle of the floor, right? So if you run it, if you read it and run it properly, you can put that thing down for an easy point, right? Um, but like you said, if they're getting it, if they're getting the connection right and the tempo right, and then the hitters, you know, whether it's Kiara or Kiana has some velocity behind it, then it's not about just, then you're, then you're compromising their blocking, but also that's a hard ball to dig, right? Even if you do have players... Um, eyeing it 
defenders anyway. Yeah, I mean it's such a short it's such a short distance for those wing defenders to dig that ball. You know, if you hit it really well with a lot of velocity at a really sharp angle, that is a tough ball to dig because it's I mean it's just coming straight at you from not very far away. So um, that from that standpoint, yeah, it's really hard. And then there's just, I mean, different angles you can hit when you're middle, you can hit it super sharp. You can hit it pretty easily between the defenders and make them cross. A lot of times they still get a hand on it, but then it's maybe out of bounds or something. It's just, I mean, it's so hard to defend a good middle, especially when you typically would get like one blocker up, especially, you know, if you have three hitters, then there's one blocker assigned to the middle. So then that middle kind of has free reign and hit those different angles. It's one of those things – it's one of the aspects of Creighton's offense that I feel like is ahead of where it was last year. I think their connection with the middle and right side is a lot crisper, cleaner, more efficient than it was at at this stage last season. You know, I think last year you could rely a lot on, you know, Jalen Nora Keeley to be, you know, back row options and on the pins. Um, and then it seemed like Kiana and – Annika Welty had a good connection on the slide, but in the middle, there really wasn't anything, you know what I mean? Other than Kendra at uh, Kendra dumping or setting one of those back row hitters. Right. So yeah. I think, it, I think I, especially, yeah, I think especially like the quick tempo balls where you're like beating a block, you get a really fast arm swing on it. I don't think they had that, you know, as much of a threat, as I think it, it's becoming now, I think this, this match was a really good example. And I think they ran like a three ball to, which, you know, that's in the gap between like the middle area and the outside area. They ran that. I remember to Kiara once like really well, she got some, she got a great swing behind it. So yeah, if they can keep running, you know, that quick tempo, I think it'll just continue to mess with blockers and make them even hard, harder to defend. Move over to Georgetown now. Um, God bless the Hoyas. They tried to charge $7 for us to watch that. Um, uh, <laughs> I don't know why they just can't just jump on the full sports thing. I thought that was supposed to deal with those problems, but <laughs> they got what they deserved today. So Creighton handled them pretty well. 25-13, 25-12, uh, Nora was, again, uh, spectacular offensively, 16 kills. You know what? We, we talked about what she probably wanted back from the other night on Friday. She did that offensively tonight, you know, 16 kills and 30 swings, only three errors. That's incredibly efficient stuff, especially from your number one, right? And and honestly, like, Georgetown blocked really well against Creighton in the first match. Let me see what that was, because I remember they had a good blocking night. Actually, I think you had – you were very upset about that, if I remember correctly. <laughs> yeah, eight and, a half, eight and a half ace blocks for Georgetown the first time they played. Yeah. Um, so it looks like Creighton hit right around the same percentage offensively. So um, they were 378 today, a little bit higher than they were in Omaha in the first matchup. But Georgetown only had four ace blocks today. So a better job by Creighton offensively do, you know, I don't know. They had, I mean, first of all, they had a lot of hitters contributing today. So that was one aspect of it. So maybe um, it seemed like they were avoiding the block better and not getting themselves – you know, those long extended rallies and not getting themselves uh, out of system as much. Because that, when that ball comes back at you, first of all, it's frustrating for a hitter, I imagine, right? And then, oh, yeah, for sure. And then it also, it also, it, it's, it's very unlikely that you're going to be passing in system on the coverage. You're usually <laughs> just, it's usually a bump set and you're throwing it out to your pin and they're trying to make, 
you know, chicken, chicken salad out of, you know what? So, um, yeah, just seemed like a cleaner offensive performance than the first time they played. Yeah. I think, you you know, they kind of figured out, you know, what Georgetown was going to do. And from there we're able to kind of read it, you know, know what shots were open, that sort of thing. Um, and yeah, like you said, they had a ton of people contributing. So I think they just, they use every single person on their bench. It looks like so. Yeah, it does look like everyone played. I know. I was like, I think it's literally everyone. Um, so that's kind of crazy. And, and every, but... everyone, it looks like everyone had a contribution too. You know, mm-hmm. Abby, Abby didn't get a kill, but she had a block assist. You know, Kendra was involved with three kills, 34, 34 assists. Um, Jazz Schmidt really clean, six kills, nine swings, no errors. Just looks like everybody kind of got to contribute a little bit here. You know, someone did everything. That's good for a team, I think. You know, if you just think about team morale, you're not – I don't know. You go into a Georgetown match and you're just thinking there's only – from Creighton's perspective, there's only so many things that can go wrong and very few things that can that can go right in terms of building off of, right? It's You know, you're not going to get a whole lot out of this match that you can, like, identify on film and use um, against, like, you know, Marquette, UConn, St. John's, and then teams you'll face in the NCAA tournament. But everyone on the floor, everyone contributing, playing multiple sets. Like if you just look at it, I mean, Ellie Bolton played three sets. Nora played. Nora played three. Sky played three. Kiara played three. Everyone played three except Abby played two. Katie played two. So Cindy played two, and Jayla even got in two, and then got a couple swings off. So she's working her way back into an off into being an offensive option. You know, just like good. Um, Live in match reps for everyone on the roster, and I think you you can use that because you put it on film. It's against an opponent that's not yourself, and I think you know those are just valuable. But if you can find those in late October, that's not easy to do. Not everyone in the country is getting those types of reps from their entire roster, you know. So I think that for the for the for the number ones to put away Georgetown that early in the set and allow Creighton to go deep into you know, the reserve well and get everyone involved today, I think is is a big thing they can use going forward if you're looking for something to, to carry on from this one. Yeah, I think, you know, you kind of hope, like, you'd be in that position just looking at your opponent. Um, so I think it was, a, you know, a good job, like you said, by the the starters to put them in a position where they, you know, could get, get out, get some rest, kind of throw some other people in, get them some reps and um, it means a lot to the people that don't get to play a lot, you know, so kind of getting that in-match experience, um, contributing a few reps when they can, that sort of thing. So I think it's best case scenario, um, you know, didn't exert yourself maybe a ton and it's great and you'll travel back home and, uh, you know, two wins on the road. Can't complain about that. That's right. They got ice cream coming back. So, you know, serving was again strong today. Eight aces. Ellie Bolton with three again. She's just been a stud at that all year. Um, but Kiara Reinhardt, two aces in her five serves. That's that's I mean, dang. <laughs> really, first of all, you're never usually gonna be that effective from the service line with two aces and five attempts, but you know, she's someone who hasn't always been sticking in the in the in the six server rotation, right? They sub her out quite often, you know. Um so that's going to be a confidence builder for her, you know. When you get when you get two, when you find the floor twice in your five attempts, and I think, um, 
yeah, she had one. She was one out of four against Villanova. So really, that's three, three aces and nine serves. I mean, that's going to build her confidence, don't you think? Yeah, I think it's a good time, you know, to kind of leave leave people in there, you know, let them get a little bit of confidence when you're trying to play around with that lineup of servers. And obviously they're trying to hone in, you know, who are our best servers on the team because it's so important and they want to, you know, get that best server back there every rotation they can. So, you know, I think it's good to have her as an option and maybe she won't be in the regular serving rotation, but down the road, you know, maybe they're like, hey, you know, I think this team's really going to struggle with just that typically, you know, that kind of serve that she has because everybody serves a little bit different and um, it could really be beneficial, you know, going forward, you never know what matchup you might need and maybe you run out of subs, you know, and she has to get in there and play some defense and serve. So um, I think it's good to, you know, have everybody have that opportunity doing things that they're not doing all the time in every single match. I don't know. I would, I would imagine that it's just, it, there's more, to being able to toe the line and serve aggressively in a match and bank that as opposed to if you're doing it in practice and it's just not quite translating, you know, to the matches. So I think that's, it. I just think it's, it's going to be, I mean, I don't think I'm doing too much in-depth analysis here, but I just think it's going to be, it's going to be something for her confidence that I think will maintain itself the rest of the season because she can bank off, being able to score from behind the line and she's confident that she knows she can go back there with an aggressive mindset and, and not, I don't know, let's like have the confidence to do it. It's it's probably nerve wracking, right? Cause you can simulate it in your mind in practice as much as you want, but if it's just not quite translating, when you step on that, when you toe that line and you just feel like, gosh, I just got to get this thing over. Cause I don't really want to cost my team a point, you know, where the nerves start to overcome it a little bit. I just think, you know, for her to be able to score from behind the line is going to be big for her confidence. For the situations, like you said, like whenever she finds herself in that situation, she can think back to these matches and know she was able to score from back there and and be effective and that she can lean on those experiences from in-match in match experiences and use them for the situation she finds herself in the rest of the season, you know. Yeah, for sure. I think sometimes, too, it's a little bit better of a test when you're going against a different opponent because your own teammates are going to know, you know, where you love to serve. Does that serve die? Does it rise? Does it, you know, does it die out? That Those sorts of things. So I think it's a good indication of, you know, if you can kind of mess with some different passers um, and put pressure on them and maybe, you know, they're not super familiar with you and don't have you on film a ton to kind of, you know, scout where you like to serve and that sort of thing. I think it's a good confidence booster that, you know, you can just disrupt um, passers on the other sides and get those offenses kind of out of sync. For sure. Um, I want to talk about Kiana, but I want kind of want to ask you about Jayla first. She has been taking little by little more hitting reps, you know, uh, four matches in practice and, you know, she gets two today. Honestly, thank goodness she didn't get three kills today. She's closing in on a thousand, and I feel like I want that to happen at home. Um, yeah, I knew that. She needs um, three. Right? Yeah, I she believe. needs. She only needs three. Yeah. That's it. She's really close. So, uh, if she had gotten on a heater there, she would have done it right there and then in front of nobody in that high school gym. Um, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. Have you ever come back from a knee injury before? What's your? I forget exactly what you've dealt with in your high school career and up. 
No, I never had any knee stuff. Knock on okay. wood. I knock had ankle wood. surgery yep. um, in college, and that was the main main thing. Okay. So, I don't know what's what what she's going to be physically capable of, but it looks like she's getting more comfortable off of the. I mean, she was a it was a major knee injury, right? So let's not poo poo that. But it looks like she's getting just more comfortable out there, little by little. And I don't know what what do you think is the the value in just getting more repetitions as a hitter? As you know, I don't think she's going to be playing six rotations this year. I'd love to be proven wrong about that, but I just don't. I just don't think it's going to happen because the timeline isn't going to give her enough to be back. It's one thing to be back, you know, healthy, and another thing to be back as like a six rotation stud. I just think you need a lot of reps to build that up. You know what I mean? Um, so the, I don't think the, I think the time is going to work against her in that regard. But I don't. I, I think she could be effective, and I wouldn't be surprised if we get to a point where there's enough matches and weeks left in this season where she might flip a set or two with some offense. You know, where she might get to that point. But I just don't. I don't. I don't know. Like it's it's tough for us to pontificate about because there's so much that goes into kind of getting back from a from i'm sure the knee is fine but i don't think i I doubt she's jumping like she jumped pre-injury and um mentally there's a trust factor there too right so what do you think what 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 would you um try to forecast for jayla in terms of potential offensive contribution she may have the rest of the season Gosh, I don't know. It's so hard, obviously. It is really hard, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm sure it's kind of a day-to-day thing, too, and just, like, managing how much, like, load she can take on. Um, So, I think that's always the hard part. And then, like you said, the jumping, I think, I mean, you've been jumping and jumping for years and years and years, and that contributes to how high you can jump, right, when you get to college and that sort of thing. Then you lift and you do all this so you can jump even higher. And then, you get injured and it's like starting from ground zero, you know, it's like, I, really you, yeah. you don't jump for a while. And then all of a sudden you're like, I can't jump anymore. <laughs> you just, yeah. I mean, you it's lose gone. the ability, which is, you know, it's crazy that you put years and years of doing it. And then all of a sudden you're like, all right, let's try to do this again. So yeah. yeah, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's a little bit of a different look. You know, I don't know if she'll come back and jump as high as she has in, you know, previous years or, you know, jump as high as she was before at all. It's just, it's hard. I know like I played with a stress fracture um, in my like lower leg and I completely kind of changed what I did. I just basically tooled people's hands and like mm-hmm. did that. And that was how I scored. And I just, mm-hmm. you know, I couldn't jump anymore. So I think maybe you see an evolution of, you know, she's really good at, at hitting shots. Maybe she comes back and she's even more, you know, that player that she's like, I'm just going to have every single shot I can. Maybe I'm not getting up crushing balls, you know, every time I'm hitting, but you know, maybe I'm just kind of having that different evolution of my game where I just have to learn how to score different ways. So I could definitely see her be somebody, you know, that kind of comes back and plays that sort of role where she's, you know, maybe not the most powerful hitter. She's, you know, maybe not like Nora where she's like just elevating incredibly well or Ava who elevates really well and, you know, can just hit rockets. Maybe she's not scoring, you know, that way. Maybe it's a little bit different. So mm-hmm. I think maybe that will be the best case scenario for her. Um, just based upon how hard, I mean, it is to kind of get that jumping ability back in and, um, yeah, all the rehab and everything, you know, that kind of goes into trying to get her back to that level. 
Yeah. I do I do think it's possible for her because we saw it with your former teammate, Erica Kosselak. She went through, you know, a couple of devastating knee injuries, but eventually she got back to being a powerful, you know, I mean, she she had a rocket for an arm as a pin hitter. So it can come back. It's just that when the injury happened for Jayla, I don't know if there's enough time left for her to get it back before the season's over. You know what I mean? So I don't know if she wants to, if she, if she has aspirations to play volleyball beyond this at a competitive level, um, I think she can get it back. I'm a hundred percent confident she can get back from that and, and be, you know, the Jayla we remember before the injury. I just don't know if this season there's enough time for that to be for the need to kind of like, like you said, to just relearn how to be a high flying, powerful pin hitter. You know what I mean? So we'll have to see how it comes together. I certainly wouldn't bet against her mindset. That's the one thing I will not doubt. Cause I think she's always been, you know, just a super competitive. will do whatever it takes to have a player. So that's the kind of thing that's, it's got me curious, right? Cause you always like to, to keep an eye on those competitive types because they always show you something that you didn't think was previously possible, you know? So from that standpoint, I'm curious. I just am trying to be practical about projection here and thinking there just might not be enough of a window for her to get back to, you know, breaking people's faces and things like that. (laughs) Um, So we'll see though, but like, it's a good, it's like you said though, Creighton does have the luxury of Nora, Ava, Healy, who has the ability to go power, um and Kiara and Kiana who can do it from the right side as well. So it's it's I think this is a good situation for Jayla to be coming back in because they're they're probably she would probably put a lot of pressure on herself to do it sooner than she maybe is capable of if there weren't the offensive options that she has on this team. Don't you think? Because that's just the type of that's the way she's wired, you know. If she thought her absence was compromising this team competitively, she'd be pushing um she might be pushing beyond the point of where, you know, of intelligence, right. Where she just is trying to get back no matter what. Um, but I do think there's a luxury that is afforded to her. If she chooses it, but this team has a lot of firepower already and they don't have to force Jayla back into something that she's not comfortable with. Right. Yeah. And it, I mean, it'll be interesting. Hopefully she gets to a point where she can kind of have, you know, that ability to play for extended periods of time, like live in a game. Um, But like you said, I think they have so many great offensive options that, you know, you're kind of like racking your brain of like, okay, like where would you even, you know, begin to slide her into like a front row position and that sort of thing. I think that's a hard part. And you have really good defensive specialists too that have been doing a nice job. And she's somebody that maybe could contend for that sort of spot. Um, I think primarily because of just her serve receive. I mean, she's great at serve receive and has a great platform and all those things. Um, so maybe she comes back in that sort of role. Um, but I, I mean, I would not want to be the coach trying to figure out, you know, if she's ready, you know, where, where do I plug her in? Or, you know, who do I put on the bench and that sort of thing? Um, that would be a very hard position to be in to try to kind of figure out like, okay, we have these great hitters who could all be starting for us, you know, where, where do we even begin to like move our lineup up to? So there's not um, many hopefully people, it's a good problem to have though but <laughs> yeah there's not many teams in the country that have a two-time all-american in the back pocket just like kind of hanging out waiting to yeah waiting to get back right uh i kind of want to wrap up this weekend on kiana because who oh boy um 
I don't think I knew how much she was struggling early on in Big East play until I just, you know, crunched the numbers. But you know, she was hitting 084 against in the first. I, I, she had played well against Georgetown in the opener, in the conference opener. But in the four matches after that, she hit 084. And as a middle right side, like that's, you're talking about like the type of low efficiency that's almost unplayable, right? Because you're basically just. That's a that's an auto dig or a block, um, but yo, Kiana has flipped a switch, everybody. Um, so starting with so after the UConn match where they went five, so that's Providence on the road, Marquette DePaul last weekend, and then Nova Georgetown this weekend. She's averaging two point eight kills per set, one point two blocks per set, and hitting four twenty nine. That's an entirely different player than the one she was for the previous four weeks. I mean. And and just like, what does that unlock offensively for Creighton when you when you're when basically you have a middle right side that's ascended to your number two position in terms of an offense an option that Kendra can go to that's putting the ball down at a near fifty percent clip. Yeah, I mean, I think it just opens things up. I think ideally you'd like to have three or four people that on any night. You know, it could be their night where they have over two kills per set, you know, three kills per set. Um, So, yeah, I think it's it's just really beneficial, obviously. And then you just have somebody to trust in those big moments when you need to close out a match. You know, those people that are super efficient and can get a kill. And I think those those are things that we've That's talked what about. Like, you, yeah, you said it at 20 when you were starting to get nervous for Creighton at 20 to 19 out of that timeout in the first set against Villanova. And Kiana was the one who came back with the kill at 21. She got the kill at set point. You know, she's she's not getting just like we talked about it last week, I think a little bit. She's not just like racking up numbers. She's coming through when they need something. Exactly. And I think those, yeah, those were things we talked about. We said, okay, like they need people that are gonna close. And I think they needed multiple people that at the end of game, like we treat, you know, they trust to go to. And I think she's somebody that based upon, you know, these last few matches has kind of stepped into that role that you can feel comfortable setting her at the end. You know, you're not over there like, all right, like this is our number one. This is the only person we can go to. I think now you're at a point where it's like, okay, we have two or three people. Like if the ball, you know, is in this certain position, like we're comfortable going to the middle, you know, we're comfortable running that slide, even if it's off a little bit, like we have somebody that is going to put in a really good ball and be really low error. And I think that's the, that's the hard part of like balancing being super aggressive and, but being low error. So I think it's impressive, you know, what she's done, um, especially blocking wise too. I mean, she had that day where she had a crazy amount of blocks. Um, so it just, I think all around her game continues to get better and it'll be really exciting. I think if she can, if she can sustain that level of play. For sure. Uh, she mentioned last week against Marquette that it was like a, Something that she made an adjustment in was her timing, um, maybe even slowing down a tick, and that's kind of helping her execute the slide a little bit better. Because you see, you've talked about the slide a lot, and and especially Kiana's ability to be effective in it because she hits so high, right? And she can cut like a hard, low-driven angle when she when she comes down at it. Um, but she doesn't just get kills when she finds like you know that cross-court deep corner. Or the donut, she can go off hands too. Like she'll sometimes hit it off a back row defender where they're kind of like almost in position to dig that. And, you know, the platform looks good and everything, but she's just able to shank that off 
off their forearm and they it's not really a ball that they can get the second up at right because of the way it comes down at, at the angle she hits it at the way it comes off their hands or their forearms it's not really in a position to be dug again it's kind of just ricocheting almost like sideways a little bit into the stands or into the back wall that kind of thing so what is it about the angle that she hits it at that allows her terminate at a pretty high clip even when she is even when a back row like passer is there to kind of play it at first yeah i think i mean like what you said slowing down that attack i think there were times where she got caught with that ball kind of like right on top of her so then she can't get on top and like put the top spin on it um but she does typically hit that kind of like driven ball i guess not like straight down but just kind of like low angle and I think those balls are hard I mean a lot of those balls will like hit you in the chest as a defender and then you're like you have nothing to do you know you're like drag it out of the way um am I digging this ball it's like those awkward balls so those are just hard to dig sometimes um but yeah I think and then she's using the longest part of the court from where that slide is so I think that that point of trajectory is really hard and a lot of times you have a, a setter in the right back who's trying to peel off and go set the second ball but maybe, you know, maybe she bails or she's trying to cross with the middle back defender. And unless if that middle back is completely shaded cross court from you, I mean, it's a long ways for them to go um, and try to cross with that right back. Yeah, definitely. She's just super, I, I, it's like, she's just super effective and it's not just one way. You know what I mean? She's not looking for a certain zone or anything. She's able to use people. And I think that's just, I just think she's turning into a little bit of a different hitter. And, you know, it's good because, I don't know, it's different when you have, like, two dominant pins. Um, you know, you're kind of – oh, you don't really have to cover the whole court, especially if you're blocking and you think, okay, well, Nora's back row, Keeley's left, or Ava's left. Like, you know, it's it's just – it. I don't know. Your eyes don't have to wander as far. <laughs> I can imagine, like, if you're if – you're, but if you're worried about the right side and the slide in the middle – on top of all the other stuff, I don't know. I just feel like you're always kind of overwhelmed when you're reading things and you're and you're guessing a lot more than you probably would want to as opposed to executing scout, right? Yeah, I think it's always good to make a defense um, stressed and to make them kind of question, like, what they know, right? They're like, okay, like, where does this girl like to hit? Because, oh, she's a good option. You know, like, making them think is what you want. Making them stress, making them, like, overthink it is – the best, you know, best thing that you can do as an offense. Sure. So, yeah, Creighton moves to 18-3 and three on the season after this weekend. They are 10-0 and 0 in Big East play. Um, Josh, you know, it felt like watching them in the preseason, too, like this was a potential 20-0 and 0 type of team. And I mean, in terms of Big East play anyway, because you guys have run the table, you know, a handful of times. Um I know it's hard to do, but it just seems like there's so much firepower on this team that even when they're off, they can still find a way to get it done. So I think that's what this team has had to do so far through the first 10 matches of conference play. There have been times where they haven't been at their best, but they've kind of dug deep and they seem to have some grit to them. That's pretty apparent in the success they've had, especially in five setters. I don't think you can do that just on physical talent. I think you have to have you know, some intrinsic, um, just, so just some fortitude, right? You have to be tough in those moments because you're, 
the legs are heavy, the arm is fatigued, and you just have to find a way to, you know, pass a three, uh, serve aggressively, inbounds, not give not give points away, uh, be smart with your shots and things like that. So I think Creighton's done a really good job at being multiple in that regard. Um, to get to 10 and 0. I don't think it's been a 10 and 0. It hasn't been a 10 and 0 run where they've just blitzed everybody they've played and, you know, can front run a little bit. They've had to dig deep. They've had to fight their way back. They've had to deal with some adversity. So I think that these team has some good characteristics so far of a team that, you know, when you're looking for championship DNA, Meg, right? Like that's the type of stuff you look for is not the, the what happens when it's not going well, right? Like how, how, how much fight does this team have, you know? Cause if it's easy, everyone could do it the whole time. Right. Yeah, and I think, I mean, obviously Creighton's a very talented team, but like you said, I thought especially like UConn, Marquette, like those are very big challenges. Um, Marquette, obviously, just because of their firepower. And I think UConn was a game that, you know, on paper, it's like, okay, we should be beating this team quite easily. But you look at it and you're on the road, you have to play five sets, come down from 0-2 to beat a team. And I think those are things that are going to serve you very, very well. I mean, going forward, that is not the position you want to be in ever. Um, but to, yeah, have the ability to be resilient and to bounce back um, and win three straight sets. I think those are the things like down the road, you know, they might be in that position in the NCAA tournament or a Big East tournament, maybe against Marquette, you know, like those are things that um, not how you draw it up, but sometimes it's just going to go that way and you have to find a way to win. That's really all that matters. For sure. Uh, so next weekend, the Jays are still on the road. Two more on the road. They're going back out to the East Coast. Uh, they're at Seton Hall on Friday at 5 p.m. A Seton Hall team that I think is, I don't I, I don't know if they're, they might not make the Big East tournament this year, um, but I think they're a lot better than they were in the last few years. So I know there's like a gap there. But Kirsten has talked about this before in the Ascension of Creighton's program that, you know, Meg was a part of you know, pushing that program through is like, I think it's easy to go from like 300 to 150 and it's, it's a little bit harder, but still kind of um, not as challenging to go from 150 to 50. And then once you get at that point, it's really hard to break through to upper levels at that point. Cause you're, you know, you're dealing with perennial power programs at that point, but Seton hall seems to have made a jump, a significant jump from where they were in the previous years back to, that level they were playing at where they're just like really scrappy squad and you gotta, you have to play well to put them away. Um, but maybe still not physically up to the challenge, up to the task. You know what I mean? So it, it'll challenge Creighton from a focus standpoint, because Creighton will have to play well to beat them because they are a little bit scrappy. Um, they are a lot more competitive than they were in previous years. Um, so that'll be a challenge. And then obviously St. John's is like the clear number three right now in this league behind Creighton and Marquette. I think there's still a gap between one, two, and three, but you know, if you if you know um, that you got to play well against St. John's to beat them, that's not that's, that's kind of a non-negotiable because they are talented. They can physically match up with you. Um, you know, they beat they beat Creighton on the road last year or at home last year. Uh, Megan, you lost to them in the Big East tournament your senior year, so you know that's a team that you have to take seriously, that you'd be ready for, and that you're probably going to play your A game to beat, right? Yeah, St. John's is just a tough team to play. I feel like, I mean, they're very energetic. They kind of take advantage of momentum, um, and that's always kind of a 
a factor in games against them. Um, but yeah, they're also really physical. I think they have some really talented players and, um, you know, year in and year out, sometimes it's hard to know like who, you know, who they're going to have their, as their go-tos and that sort of thing, or who, um, you know, they picked up because a lot of their team um, are foreigners that come over and you're not super familiar maybe with the style of play too, that they like to run. So yeah, it's always a fun team to play. Um, they're always looking for an upset against Creighton. And um, obviously they've been successful um, in years past and um, I'm sure it will be a very competitive game. For sure. So that's Creighton's challenge next weekend. So Seton Hall on Friday at 5 p.m. Then over at Karnaseka Arena on Sunday at 1 p.m. I like that there's a gap there um, in between. It's not just a quick turnaround day because that St. John's match, I think, is going to be, you know, if there's one that I'm circling on this calendar coming up of the next handful, that might be another five-setter to watch out for. That's the one I'm circling because I think St. John's is playing really well this season. Um, So we'll see what Creighton comes out with on on Sunday, but that's the challenge next weekend for the Jays. Then they'll be back home for four in a row where they'll play Providence, UConn, St. John's, and Seton Hall before going back on the road to finish the regular season. So, yeah, Meg, anything else uh, on your mind that we did not touch on tonight that you feel like is notable? I don't think so. Just, yeah, another weekend away. The You know, they'll end this four-game road trip so i think it'll be good for them to hopefully get some more wins um and then come back home kind of and then have that one last away trip of regular season so it should be a good test for them yeah is it weird having so many like six out of the eight matches this month were on the road is that strange for is that hard to adjust to yeah it's a little bit different i think um you know just kind of getting in that mindset of being organized obviously yeah. with you know packing all your stuff with school you know missing class and that sort of thing and just uh, being in different cities and traveling so much can can be a little bit overwhelming um but i guess the reward is that you get to play for at home as well and you know kind of have yeah. that toss-up of okay we're on the road this month and you know next month we'll be home for quite a while so yeah, yeah it's definitely hard but Hopefully they continue handling handling it well and um you know enjoying sightseeing when they can that sort of thing but also coming home with wins. Yeah, if you're gonna have a four match road trip, like going to DC and and New York are probably like the two <laughs> you'd like to stagger them with, right? Because there's some <laughs> there's some you know off the court stuff you get to enjoy, right? In terms of the experience. But yeah, yeah, is. for sure. I mean, that's the one I don't think you'll ever complain really about like traveling in, in the Big East. Obviously, I wasn't part of like the Missouri Valley and things, but I, I don't think it was quite as exciting, um, you know, different places and seeing things. So I, I definitely don't think it was ever like challenging, you know, to travel yeah. really like I wouldn't complain about traveling to where these Big East cities are because it's always kind of fun to see different areas of the country and eat different food and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm, for sure. And like you said, the, pri- the there's an there's a reward on the other end of it if you play well because you're gonna have four of the last six in the regular season at home. You're gonna have the Big East tournament at home, and if you've done all the things that you um hope to accomplish in that stretch, you'll be hosting in the NCAA tournament as well. So there are a lot of home matches coming up if Creighton handles, you know, the ones away from home the way they should. So or the way they expect to, I should say. So yeah, it's uh. It's not, uh, they won't be as travel logged as last year's team was for sure. So, uh, there's, there's, there's a, there's a soon, there's a reward coming soon for all their travels anyway. So, anyway, that's enough from us on Georgetown and Villanova. Creighton gets the sweep over both of them. 
Um, so for Megan Ballinger, I'm Matt DeMarinas. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We always appreciate it. Um, we will talk to you all again next week. Have a good one, everyone.